Romans. Romans, and we are in Romans chapter 15. For those of you who are guests with us, uh, we just take books of the Bible because we believe the Bible is God's Word, and we just preach through the books of the Bible, allowing God's Word to teach us and train us and determine what subjects and things that we work through. Do I need to grab another mic? Are you, we okay? Okay, I'll give you a second and then I'll call an audible if I need to. Um, so we are in the book of Romans, have been going through the entire book, and we find ourselves today, Romans 15, verses 5 through 7. So what I want to do, uh, I'm one of the pastors here, I'm Pastor Sean, uh, that was Pastor Travis, Pastor Ron Jure was on the base, we have two other pastors, Pastor Hunter and Pastor Josh, uh, but we are so thankful uh, to be able to be a part uh, and to lead this church and we are thankful to you who are guests with us today. So let's just look at Romans 15. I'm going to read verses 1 to uh, 7. And when you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. That's right. Word of God says this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now, here's the passage we're going to be focusing on today. So, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of of God. Let's pray. Father, I ask, I ask that you would draw near in power right now. I ask for the heart that feels really bound up with fear to experience your comfort and your mercy. I ask for the heart that is deeply anxious and distressed to find peace. I ask, Father, for the hurting heart to receive a strong sense of Your presence and Your love. And I pray, O oh God, that You would, in this moment, draw near to us in mercy. We pray that You would not only open our minds, that we understand the scripture, but we pray that you would open our hearts, that we might trust you and love you above every other love. Please have your way in our midst. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Kyle, do I need to grab this? Oh, do I need to knock that one down? Is that helpful? Okay, 
I'll try this. Is that a little better, family? Thought so. Yeah, I felt uh, felt a little woo like so. I really don't enjoy that if I'm a listener, let alone a speaker. So here we go, friends. Let's do it. If someone says, "I felt welcomed," what are they saying? What does that mean? This is where we're going to do family participation moment, okay? If someone says, I felt welcomed, what word would you say would help describe what they are expressing? Just say it out loud. Accepted, I heard that one. Loved, wanted, safe, seen, hospitality. Man, this is good. We need to do family participation more often. Like, you just preached a sermon. (laughs) Because that's exactly what it means. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we make things a little more complicated than it really is? Welcomed. Welcomed. It means not rejected. Not on the outside. Wanted. Safe, known, heard, valued. I felt welcomed. Whenever you enter new spaces, there can be a little, if not a lot, of fear. Fear about what to expect. You have a new town, a new job, a new church, entering into a new relationship. It's fearful. Why? Because we all have common, woven in our hearts, this deep desire to be known, wanted, and accepted. You're not odd for wanting that. It's actually hardwired into you. But the beauty of the Scriptures is, no human on the planet will ever be able to give you all that that heart craving is crying for. So today, as we come to the book of Romans... And we collide with these three little verses. Romans 15, verses 6, or 5, 6, and 7. Paul wants two things for us. One is that the church he's speaking to, the church at Rome, and us today, that we would be fascinated with and overwhelmed by the welcoming love of God. That we would be overwhelmed and can't take our eyes off of this God who sent his only son to prove definitively even in the face of our pain that he loves us and that sinners miracle of miracles sinners can be welcomed accepted into his family even though he has no sin fascinated with the love of God the second thing is that that fascination that being overwhelmed would translate into the church the people of God covenanting together agreeing we love this God that the church would be a welcoming community so God's word is teaching us this one simple truth God's people are a welcoming community Because they've first been welcomed. 
God's people are a welcoming community. I hope you can see it right there in the Bible. Verse 7, it says, Therefore, in light of everything that's been said right above, therefore, welcome one another, church. The one another means all those who are calling out and saying that they love Jesus. He's speaking to the church. Welcome one another, church, as Jesus has welcomed you so that God is shown off as famous and glorious and beautiful. Now, how does that happen? What's going on? Well, that's what we're going to talk about for just a second. Because no matter how different we might be, God promises that the cross of Jesus Christ is strong enough to knit us together. The blood of Jesus Christ is pure enough to wash clean our sin. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is strong enough to unite what should be fractured. And the love of Jesus Christ is beautiful enough to sustain this vision of the local church. So, if you're new with us today, I hope you feel accepted and known, cared for and valued. And we're thankful that you're here. We do believe God has you here. And we're thankful to be able to worship with you today. Uniquely, this passage is speaking to the church that's tempted to, in their differences, think the solution is sameness. And therefore, start fighting with each other when things aren't easy. And Paul is saying, welcome one another because you've been welcomed. So, Let's just start here. What is a welcoming community? God's people are a welcoming community. What is a welcoming community? Well, what I did was I studied the word welcome. And when you study the word welcome, it's used and translated welcome in a few spots. And I just want to run through them real quickly. Acts 28. What happens? Paul lands on this island and it says, The native people showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. Okay, you're like, that's kind of an odd, weird verse. Okay, well, it's self-explanatory. The people were cold, so the individuals who lived there set a fire with unusual kindness, it says, welcoming the people because they cared about their needs. What is welcoming? Welcoming was unusual kindness to strangers or attentive to the needs of those who were new. It goes on. Romans 14 verse 1. Now this is in the book that we've been studying. Romans 14 1 says this. As for the weak in faith, welcome them, but not to quarrel over opinions. So now he's saying like, Okay, you can invite somebody into your life only to try to point out that they're wrong. Now, that's no good. Like, invite them into your life not to quarrel over opinions, but to show them something different. To show them that they're loved. This is our word, welcome. Don't invite somebody in just to try to point out where they're wrong or to change them. Invite them in to know them. So the first one, unusual kindness, attentive to needs. The second is inviting them in to know them, not just to quarrel or to prove a point. And I think 
this is not strange for us, right? Like, politics is this moment, right? There's a strong delight just to, hey, I want to invite you over for coffee, just so I can tell you why your positions are wrong. That was 2020 in a nutshell. It was just like, let me just tell you. Or, hey, you know, we somehow feel like we can welcome people without presence, and so then, you know, we invite people to have a conversation online, and then we lacerate them with our mouths without care. This is not the scriptures. Romans 14.3 says this, Let not the one who eats, that is the one who has a freer conscience, despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains, that is a more restricted conscience, pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has, what's the word? Okay, that was really poor. I'll be kind to you. For God has welcomed him okay that's our word so what is welcoming here the word means acceptance and not rejection don't look down upon them but receive them and now here's the last one philippians or philemon 17 okay it's only one chapter so it just gives verse verses philemon 17 and in the book of Philemon, what is happening is there was an individual, Onesimus, that was an employee. The word in the scriptures is a slave, but Roman slavery is different than American slavery. So that he was an employee that then ended up not serving out his debt and ended up leaving, abandoning his post, not doing what he said he would do, and he took money with him. And now his life's been changed. And Paul goes on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon, who was the employer, and says, his life's been changed. He even goes on to say, and whatever debt he incurred when he left, put it on my tab. And if you would receive me right now, why don't you receive Onesimus back? And the word receive is welcome. Welcome him in. Welcome in the one who is wrong, but has seen the error of the ways and wants to walk in the right ways. Don't hold on to bitterness. Welcome. So the picture now gets some edges, right? It's starting to be framed in on what this welcome is. Unusual kindness, attentive to needs, inviting them into your life to know them, not to argue with them. When you're tempted to look down, don't choose that path you want to build up. And even if you've been mistreated by others, have an open heart to welcome them in. And if they repent, go even further out of your way to show them the acceptance of Christ. This is a welcoming community. And the church is supposed to be a welcoming community. Now, what stands in the way of this welcoming community? Well, here's the deal. Some of you might even be thinking this now. But you might be like, is Paul really kind of out of touch with my life? Like, I don't think, like, my kids are struggling to obey. I'm really stressed at work. The bills are louder than the income. Do I get an amen? The world seems to be characterized more by brokenness than by healing. And Paul spills a ton of ink here telling us to focus in on 
welcoming one another in the church. It feels almost kind of sideways, like when this is life, why is he talking about the church? And I think maybe though, maybe we have it sideways. Maybe we have it sideways. Because what is the church? It is not simply an event. This is a privilege. The people of God coming together with one another to say out loud with one another how beautiful and precious and invaluable Jesus is. And to be able to say that together through singing and through listening and through conversations after the fact. To proclaim Christ to one another. To be equipped and encouraged. To protect the gospel. To portray the gospel. This is what is happening in this moment right now. It's not an event. We're a people. And Paul is saying... He's saying we need to shift from church as event to God working in us as a people. This is a new community, a community that helps us make it to the end, a community that by doing the ordinary means of grace, gathering, encouraging one another, welcoming one another, the world will be changed when we see it as a family. Then all of a sudden it changes our trajectory. It's not our world over here and then church over here. It's like God is forming us into a people because this matters when we're in our pain. God comforts us through the people of God. He equips us through the people of God. He helps us to endure. This is God's kindness. Now, what are some of the barriers standing in the way of this welcoming community? Well, we've heard three. Romans 12 the church is filled with differing gifts. Romans 14, the church is filled with different convictions. And where he's going in Romans 15 is the church is filled with different ethnicity. So, <laughs> different gifts, which means you're tempted to jealousy or insecurity. Different convictions. You're tempted to look down and judge, or you're tempted to not care about others who have a different opinion. Different ethnicities. You're tempted to superiority over your culture, or not care about somebody else's culture. And Paul stares at all of those and says, how does the church become a welcoming community? It becomes a welcoming community by not seeing the differences as an interruption but as a grace. But what then, if I laid out those three things, <laughs> you're like, that makes a lot of sense why Paul is like, okay, we got to be really serious about this kind of staying together gig because we're really different. And so coming off the heels of Romans 14, we know that the temptation is that some of us can be judgmental. Romans 14, verse 3, we can look down upon others who are different than us, 
who have a conscience that might be freer than our conscience, and yet they're still obeying the Scriptures, what we have to say as a church is that we refuse to judge the motives of others. We refuse. Judgmental spirits crush welcoming communities. We, of course, have to be able to say, Hey, you just hit that person? That's not okay. We're judging an action. But we have to refrain, stop, resist judging motives. Paul is really firm on this. Because without this intentional sense of we're a people that encourage and build up, I don't know if you've ever been looked at with a sideways look. Whenever you shared vulnerably with somebody and they were like, how could you do that? Why do you keep doing that? Whenever somebody talks that way, they have lost the self-awareness that they have areas that they keep doing as well. They're just usually quicker to judge the areas that they are good at And to be really patient in the areas where they're not. What does judgment do when you felt that? If it makes you feel like you've got to have everything together before you can come to them. You don't feel very safe. Paul is like, we have got to stop this judgmental spirit. It stays in the way of a welcoming community. And on the flip side, it's not just refrain from judgment, but it's it's doing a positive. It's build up. So he says in Romans 14, 13, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I refuse. I refuse to tear somebody else down. I refuse to do anything that would hurt somebody else's faith. I refuse. He says instead, let's make it our aim to build up this mutual upbuilding. What stands in the way? Judgmental spirits. What stands in the way is, hey, I'm free, so I don't really care about what you're thinking. No, 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 no. We want to make it our obligation to love and to walk in the means of love. And so, if this is a welcoming community, a community of acceptance and grace and love, and what stands in the way are judgmental spirits and the temptation to Have your own way rather than to build up. To discourage rather than to encourage. And yet the church is filled with differing gifts, differing convictions, and different ethnicities. So rather than viewing diversity as a problem to escape, Paul is pressing us to view it as a gift to embrace. And so what fuels this welcoming community? Look at verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement. Why did he start there? (laughs) What's endurance mean? Don't what? Quit. When people are different than you, you're tempted to quit that relationship. There's a reason why everyone knows what I mean when I say cancel culture. Because that's what America does. 
we quit people who aren't like us. The church is a new and different community. I'll never forget in the throes of 2020 when everything was spiking high and there was tensions all over the place. I literally, I think it was in the same week, but it was really close to each other. I went out and had coffee with somebody and they came to me and they said, I just feel so alone. I feel like everybody in our church is a Republican and I just don't know what to do. I literally had a meeting just a little bit later and someone came to me and they said, I don't know what to do. I just feel like everybody in our church is a Democrat and I just don't know what to do. And I'm just like, hey, guess what? It's called differing cultures. It's multi-ethnicity. It's because we're about King Jesus and not about a president as our allegiance. I mean, it's just different. And so I actually silently was like, not actually silently, I actually said that. I was just like, hey, we have both. It's okay. We're a different community. Friends, it's tempting to quit. May the God of endurance and encouragement. Why do you need encouragement? Because you might be what? Thank you. Discouraged. That's exactly right. So Paul starts out, you're tempted to quit. And when things get hard relationally, you're tempted to just feel beaten down. So how in the world can we do this? He just told us. It's, look at verse 4. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the Bible, we might have, what's the next word? Hope. Hope. Hope is what makes us try. If you're hopeless, you quit. How do we get hope? We go to the Bible. Why is the Bible important? Because it's there you meet God. The scriptures are only the place of endurance and encouragement because God is speaking there. It's his word. And that's why verse 5 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you. He is a giver. He gives gifts. Well, what kind of gifts is he going to give us to do this? This feels impossible. May he give you a gift to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together with one voice you glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gift. Now, what's interesting right here is you see how it starts with the word may, verse 5? It's basically Paul breaking into a prayer. And why that is encouraging is because while he's praying, you pray it because you're confident God is able to do it. He's telling us to pray it because he's confident God is able to do it. And he's saying, don't take your pain to yourself. Take your pain to God and trust that he's able to do this thing, to give you endurance, to give you encouragement so you don't quit on each other. Now, God promises he will give us what he requires. He is calling us to be a welcoming community. That's going to be really hard in a community that's filled with difference. So we need the God of the universe like he did when he came and changed my heart and turned me from a hard-hearted rebel into a soft-hearted, imperfect follower of Jesus, we need that same type of resurrection power to help us be a welcoming community. And so, he says here, we need God to give gifts. You know what the first gift he needs to give us is? Harmony. Now, what I love about this is the translators are really wrestling with two ideas. 
The idea that comes later in verse 6 is one voice. So the image is a choir. We're all together singing in a choir. And we're singing about how great and glorious and wonderful our God is. That's how he gets glory. He's great. He's worth following. But the word before harmony is embedded in this idea of, of, okay, we're really different. What makes a choir beautiful? It's not that we're all just singing the same notes. This is why we have multiple vocalists up here many times. Is because the layers add beauty. It adds beauty. I used to sing in a choir, and choir had like 40 voices. And so you had two bass parts and two alto parts and two soprano parts and two tenor parts and they would all sing together this one song and although when we sang one note and one tune it was like beautiful but when all the pieces began to splinter off to create still one song it was gorgeous this is the image it's actually really beautiful when our differences come together and we're singing one song. But before we get to the one voice, he uses the word harmony. Do you know what that is? The literal word is one mind. It's one mind. So, follow me. We need God to give us a gift to be a welcoming community. What's that gift? We need one mind. Now, this is fascinating to me. But this one mind... It's the same word that's used in Romans 12, which is live in harmony with one another. That is kind of live at peace, live in one mind with one another. But does anybody know, Bible quiz 101, it's actually probably 301. I mean, you don't, not everybody knows this. It's okay. Bible quiz. Where else do you hear one mind language? I'll tell you so you don't feel like you have to answer Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 says this, If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, if you have experienced the mighty work of God, summary, then Paul says, complete my joy by being of one mind. How is that going to make Paul happy? Well, he says, let me tell you about this one mind. You're going to have the same love in full accord, full unity in this one mind. What is the one mind, Paul? I know you told me it was love, but can you explain it just a little bit more? Okay, I will. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, what's the one mind? Consider others better than yourself. How in the world do differing gifts, differing convictions, and different ethnicities dwell together in a welcoming community that is in peace? They make the decision and they pray for Almighty God to grant that we're going to have one mind. We're going to have one mind, and it's the mind of love. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to consider my neighbor's needs above my own. 
This is totally countercultural. Make sure that you're good. I can't tell you how many news stations and news shows I watch. Like, you give people a pass because they were just flat out rude, but they were kind of caring for themselves. They were making sure they were okay. It's just not the Bible. Consider others better than yourself. This is the one mind. This is where the peace comes and the harmony comes. Some of you out there, you love really deeply. And honestly, some of you need to be more attentive to your emotions and some of your personal needs. And you need to know that God wants all of you. Because what I've seen is some people who love really deeply, they don't think they're worth God's affection, God's attention. And so they just only try to think about others because they're not worth thinking about. That's not what this is saying. The gospel says you're precious and you're loved. And when you have emotional and deep pain, our God wants it all. And it's valuable to us as a community to know your hurts and your pains. But what he is saying for the rest of us, which is most of us, we're way too consumed with ourselves. Dear friends, I can just tell you from my own personal experience, I can say some of my saddest moments are when I am consumed with myself, my needs, my losses, my pains. I start craving pity, thinking that that's what's going to bring my healing. And not only does it not bring my healing, it doesn't provide a welcoming atmosphere. Paul is saying the answer to differences relating in harmony is that we consider one another's needs more significant than our own. One mind, that's what he's praying for, that we would have that mind of love. And so now he gives a gift of this mind, that's what he gives by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that's way out here unreachable. He's telling you this is a promise that God has for you, we got to fight for it. We fight for it like it depends on us, but we pray and, and know in our hearts and rest and sleep like it depends on Him. One mind. And now, with one mind, we sing. What's the song we're singing? We're singing a song of acceptance and love. We're singing a song of I care about you. We're singing a song of you're important and valuable, but we're singing a song that those things are not the end. We're singing a song that says, I can only say that because my God has gloriously accepted me. The point here is not human glorification. The point here is God glorification. Now glorification, you get it. You know what it is. It's what you feel when you're looking at a mountain and it's, you just can't take your eyes off of it. It's what you feel when you're sitting on the edge of the ocean and you look out and it's just like, that keeps going and I can't stop my jaw from going like that. It's when a sunset falls and you're just like, that's amazing. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. They're screaming at us, how great is this creator? But what he's saying is that there's some place else that is meant to scream just as loudly, God is glorious. It's the church. 
And it's how the church, with one mind, so is radically changed by the love of God, they consider one another's needs more significant than their own. It's a gift God is giving us, friends. And Paul is saying, therefore, let's walk in it. Let's walk in it. It's the opportunity of love. What is then therefore the goal? If this is the fuel, that God is a giver of gifts, he gives us one mind and one voice to sing out praises to his name, and that is live lives of love to be a welcoming community. What's the goal? The goal is the glory of God. Isn't that what the text says? Together with one voice, we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for, what's the next few words? The glory of God. Jesus is worth it. He's worth all this hard work. His way is best. His power is enough. His love is unsurpassed. And in Him, He has made us one. Oh, that we would get to sing that kind of song. And so, look at verse 7 with me. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God, for the fame of God, for His namesake. His name is at stake in how we love one another. So because we love Him, let's fight to be of one mind and let's fight for each other rather than with each other. Because God has created a people. His people are a welcoming community. We are a Christ-treasuring community. Let's just start where, end where we began. I feel welcomed. What were the words that came out? Accepted. Known. Important. Valued. Heard. It's not hard in terms of understanding. It's hard to live out. And so he's saying, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. How do we do this? You stare a lot at Jesus. And you keep reminding yourself how much you've been loved by Christ. And that's how you extend love to hurting people, different people, people that you might feel like are strange. Hey, I got news for you. You feel like some people are strange in our church. You probably feel like there's parts of me that are strange. And you know what? You're probably right. Because guess what? In some senses, you're strange. Isn't that good news? Because what's strange mean? It's just a word that we use, oh, you're not normal. You're strange. It's just a word to describe that we're different. So rather than just talking about people are strange, or why don't we just say, we have differences. What did Jesus do when there was a difference between us and him? The difference is we were sinful. Still are. But the Bible says we were dead in our sins. Sin was so much a part of the fabric of our lives, we could not resurrect ourselves. The only solution was that God had to come to us. And God did come. Jesus came to us. And rather than saying, get your act together, He lived the life we could not live. And He voluntarily 
stood on that cross, taking all of our sin upon His shoulders, saying, it is finished. This death right here is the payment for everyone's sin. Sin is so bad, it required the death of the perfect Son of God. Jesus is so good that He took it for us. And Three days later, He rose from the grave to say, anyone who trusts in Me can be welcomed, accepted, as you are. Not fix yourself up, do good, and then maybe I'll accept you. It is you come as you are, acknowledge you're a sinner, unable to help yourself. Jesus is the only one who can be the Savior. And you just finally say, oh God, I can't do it anymore. I need you. Change me. And you say, Jesus, I need you to make me new. And he says, I love you. That's what the cross proved. I love you. I accept you. You're mine I was listening to a podcast called You're Not Crazy. A man named Sam Alberry made a very beautiful point about this idea of welcoming. Our welcoming is not simply that he died in our place and made it so that he doesn't have a beef with us anymore. That's a true thing and that's a beautiful thing. We deserve judgment and punishment God sent His Son to take that punishment so that we could be at peace with God. But it's not, it's not just good news that He says, okay, I'm not angry at you anymore. The good news is that I'm not angry at you anymore and I'm fully for you. I've come to live inside of you. I fight your battles with you and for you. I go before you. I am behind you. I am with you. You will never face any suffering or any trial alone ever again. I love you. His love on the cross is a welcoming love that not only paid the price, but is with us to the end. It is a for you love. And so he says, think on that church, and that's going to be how you are with one another. When someone is different than you, it's not enough to say, well, I don't have a problem with them anymore, and I'm just going to not look their way, but we can kind of be around each other. That's not a welcoming community. A welcoming community is an embrace. It's a forgiveness. It's a love. It's a pursuit. It's a I'm for you, not against you. It's positive, not just the restraining of negative. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Do you see that if that happens... In this church and churches all over the globe, who gets glory for that? God does. Because He has given what only He can give with people with different ethnicities, different convictions, and different giftings. He gives one mind. I consider you better than myself. And He gives us one voice. Our God is great in that He sent His Son. And he can make us alive. And he can do this thing. Give us endurance and encouragement so we don't quit. And we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. We're going to spend time together here in a fellowship or talking after this service. One of the upshots I pray happens is that our dinner tables begin to be filled with each other again. One of the upshots that I pray happen from our time together is that that person you might think is awkward or hard to talk to, that you'd make a beeline for them because you want to get to know them. 
My prayer is that we would not succumb to COVID, which made people objects of fear, and we would say, what does it look like to make people objects of love? We'd pursue, we'd fight for, we'd get to know, we'd listen to stories, and we would say, I want to welcome you as Christ has welcomed me. Oh God, please do it, let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you would right now draw near to us and comfort us with your love and that we would be so overwhelmed by the cross that we would surrender our lives wholly to you if we're not followers of Jesus. And if we are followers of Jesus, we would make it our daily prayer, oh God, change me from the inside out. Give us one mind, one heart, one voice with all of our beautiful different voices to sing the song you are worthy of my praise you are worthy of our affections of our love right now I just want to take about 30-45 seconds for you to just be still and I pray the Lord used his word today to breathe hope in your heart to help you not be discouraged. I pray that He breathed hope in your heart that He is enough for the trial you're facing. I pray that you're able to meditate upon His love for you. I pray that if there is something standing between you and God, that you would confess that and not try to cover it up or hide it, but you would just maybe for the first time be honest with God and say, this is where I'm struggling. I, I, I'm tired of battling with the same thing. And you would in your heart give this to the Lord. Let's just take a few seconds here. And let's just allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. And then we will sing together.